Welcome to another episode of Domestic Chaos. I'm Burr Beard, and today we have a special treat at the end of the show, a poem by Mike Schneider, a Pittsburgh poet called Insurrection Colonoscopy Do. I'm saddened by the extreme rain and flooding in eastern Kentucky this past week, especially in Whitesburg, where Apple Shop resides. The media center includes a record label, radio station WMMT, and filmmaking facilities, where since the Johnson-era War on Poverty program, Apple Shop has documented Appalachian life and culture in a special, endearing manner. The Lexington Herald-Leader reports that in the wake of disastrous flooding that claimed the lives of more than 30 Kentuckians, those in the state are not only dealing with cleanup efforts, but also vitriolic comments that suggest the victims deserve their fate because of the political makeup of eastern Kentucky. Many Kentuckians of all political stripes have in one voice called out these criticisms as lacking a basic level of empathy and humility. One anonymous user tweeted that, quote, now blue states will be bailing them out, yet they elect Senators Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul. There's news on President Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, where Senator Kristen Sinema, Democrat Arizona, saw her problems with the bill fixed, and now it moves on. Democratic leaders agreed to drop a $14 billion tax increase on some wealthy hedge fund managers and private equity managers that she opposed, says the New York Times. Cinema also got a change to the structure of a 15% minimum tax on corporations and drought money to benefit Arizona. Democrats added a new 1% excise tax that companies would have to pay on the amount of stock they repurchase. And one Democratic official said the package would still reduce the deficit as much as $300 billion. The next step in the reconciliation bill process is a parliamentary procedural blessing coming possibly this weekend. Because the bill is written as under the reconciliation process, it's protected from a Senate filibuster. And the parliamentarian makes sure that strict rules are followed that govern the process. More good news this week came in Tuesday's primary elections with the stunning first electoral test of abortion policy since the Supreme Court reversed Roe v. Wade, a decision by Kansas pro-choice voters who came out in strength to defeat the start of language by the state of Kansas to write and enact anti-abortion laws. What is seen as a day of mixed messaging to the Trump contingent, the primary election narrowed candidates in five states, including Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, Missouri, and Washington. In Arizona, far-right Oath Keeper member Mark Finches was dominated by the GOP for Attorney General. In the recent past, Finches sponsored legislation seeking to decertify the 2020 election in three Arizona counties. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis suspended Hillsborough County Attorney General Andrew Warren for, quote, neglect of duty after the prosecutor refused to enforce bans on abortion and transgender surgery. 
The Hill reports that Warren, a Democrat, was first elected in 2016 when he defeated the Republic incumbent and has been an outspoken voice for criminal justice reform. DeSantis cited Warren's signing of a letter saying he would not enforce prohibitions on sex change operations for minors and another saying he would not enforce any laws relegated to protecting the right to life as evidence that the state attorney had shirked his duty as a public prosecutor. The governor announced that he would now replace Warren with former Judge Susan Lopez. Wipe deleted or otherwise missing emails becoming a regular thing now with the Pentagon emails from January 5th and 6th, 2021 wiped from phones. We learned that this week in addition to Secret Service texts and Homeland Security phone sans texts. Democrats on the House Select Committee on January 6th suggested a cover-up conspiracy over the missing texts and a call for a Department of Defense probe and a new Homeland Security head. Too much coincidence, don't you think, for there not to be concerted malfeasance happening here? A federal judge this week denied former President Trump's bid to dismiss three lawsuits brought by police officers injured during the January 6th riot, rejecting Trump's lawyer's absolute immunity plea regarding the claims. The lawsuits brought on behalf of four U.S. Capitol Police officers seek to hold Trump liable for injuries sustained during the insurrection. U.S. District Judge Ahmed Mehta didn't just smack down the argument. He sounded annoyed about having to do so again. Meanwhile, Ivanka and Don Trump Jr. have testified in the New York Attorney General Letitia James civil tax fraud probe into the Trump Organization. NBC News says that neither claim Fifth Amendment protection against self-incrimination. The civil probe stems from allegations Trump and the Trump Organization inflated financial statements. Trump himself is expected to speak in state attorney general offices regarding the investigation in coming weeks. A brutal cross-examination on Wednesday in the trial of the InfoWars conspiracy theorist Alex Jones and lawyer Mark Barksdown for Sandy Hook Parents produced text messages from Mr. Jones' cell phone showing that he had withheld key evidence in defamation lawsuits brought by the families for lies he had spread about the 2012 school shooting. The New York Times reports that the messages were apparently sent in error to families' lawyers by Mr. Jones' legal team. The disclosure of the text provided a striking capstone to the final day of testimony in a trial to determine how much Mr. Jones must pay the parents of a child who died in the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut, for broadcasting conspiracy theories that the shooting was a hoax and that the families were actors. The jury began deliberating late Wednesday. Mr. Bankson also presented financial records that contradicted Jones' claim under oath on Tuesday that he was bankrupt and clips from his broadcast maligning the judge and jury in the case. Jones lost four defamation cases last year that were filed against him by families of 10 victims of the shooting, which killed 20 first graders and six educators. In the current case, Jones has been ordered to pay $4.1 million in compensatory damages to the parents of six-year-old Jesse Lewis, who was killed at Sandy Hook. 
Alex Jones is also under scrutiny for his role in planning events around the attack on the Capitol in January 2021. And so his texts are now of interest to the House January 6th committee. This is Domestic Chaos. I'm Burr Beard. Viktor Orban, the Hungarian president who has consolidated autocratic power with hard-right opposition to immigration and liberal democracy, addressed CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, in Dallas this week. According to the Washington Post, Orban's latest controversy comes from another recent speech where he railed against Europe becoming mixed race. One of his own close advisors resigned in protest, calling the speech pure Nazi. On his way to Dallas, Orban stopped to visit Donald Trump at his Bedminster, New Jersey golf tournament. Of course, Orban's defenders include Trump, Tucker Carlson, and J.D. Vance. This must have seemed like perfect political inspiration to the CPAC campaigning Republicans. Orban told of two important 2024 elections in the United States and the European Union. He said these two locations will define the two fronts in the battle being fought for Western civilization. Today we hold neither of them yet. We need both. You have two years to get ready. Brittany Griner, the WNBA star held in Russia, has completed her trial and now faces a sentence of nine years in Russian prison on drug charges. NBC News reports that Griner pleaded guilty last month in a lengthy trial that underscored frayed relations between the U.S. and Russia since the Kremlin's invasion of Ukraine. Attention can now turn to a possible prisoner swap between Washington and Moscow. Paul Whelan is a former U.S. Marine who was arrested in Russia, convicted of espionage in 2018. Whelan holds Canadian, U.S., Ireland, and England citizenship and is coming to the spotlight as part of a prisoner swap. No news yet on when this kind of negotiation could take place or be completed. But monkeypox has now become a public health emergency. And to the local PA beat, Doug Mastriano, GOP candidate for Pennsylvania governor, has been campaigning with a bus tour of the western part of the state. Pittsburgh's WTAE Channel 6 filed a report where an interview with the candidate was denied and the reporter forced to leave. Finding clear audio of the end on Mastriano's Facebook page, the incident was referenced, Mastriano claiming he would speak to any reporter who could prove that he could be fair and not the, quote, how often you beat your wife kind of questions. We also see the climate and big lie election denier in his questionable use of decisive right-wing websites for campaign purposes. Case in point, gab.com. G-A-B.com. Mastriano spent $5,000 to advertise on Gab.com. From this, a report from WGAL-TV8 in Lancaster, quote, We have a responsibility to call out hate speech whenever we find it, says Suzanne Weinstein with the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of Center County. Weinstein said Gab is often home to anti-Semitic hate speech, the website was paid by the Mastriano campaign for, quote, political consulting. Gab is billed as a free speech platform, even if that means allowing offensive content. 
gab was used by the suspect in the Tree of Life synagogue massacre in Pittsburgh in 2018. Mastriano released a statement last week saying Gab's founder doesn't speak for him or his campaign. He also denounced anti-Semitism. Gab.com looks like a place just to post your daily rant. The top post when I just logged on came from user named CatTurd, who says, Just received an email from the Washington Post wanting to know if I wanted to make a comment about an article they're doing with me in it. Here comes another piece about what a positive liar and loser I am. No thanks. I don't talk to fake news. Talk to the Paul. Well, from the ridiculous to the sublime, here is poet Mike Schneider with failed coup colonoscopy do. Hello, this is Mike Schneider from Pittsburgh. My friend Burr Beard asked me to read this poem into my little machine, which I'm, I'm doing, it, and it was a poem that came out of that January 6th craziness. It's called Failed Coup, Colonoscopy Do, and it really just came out of a conversation I had with my friend Jan Hamilton. It was simple enough. It start, starts like this and, and goes on. I feel an insurrection coming on. Wait, maybe it's indigestion. I feel a surge of something like a storm and takeover of the system, a bad smell. Maybe it's just a weird passing thing, like a kidney stone playing hell with my constitution, a gastrointestinal parade of red hats and billowing flags as if 76 trombones cut loose and bellow from deep down darkness. Maybe it's the start of something, or maybe a big nothing. Gros rien, as my friend likes to say, a tiny wind. Maybe it's divine afflatus, as Whitman put it for his gassy insurrection. Pardon me, he'd say, and rumble like a mighty locomotive. Plenty of that goes round in body armor circles, pitchforks and torches to the royal palace, delirious or divine, best to take it seriously, maybe it's time for a colonoscopy. It could be a boink in the apparatus, affliction in the tract, hairball in the drainpipe of the body, politic working its way out. First published in an earlier version titled Insurrection in Rune, Pittsburgh, Robert Morris University, April 21st, 2021, by contributor Mike Schneider of Pittsburgh. Well, that's Domestic Chaos, Episode 2. The show is produced by Burr Beard and Eleanor Howard. Next week, we'll have a new contributor. Think about it yourself. Email me. You can get in touch at burr.beard at gmail.com. Our theme music is the tune Domestic Chaos from Fiddler Alastair Savage. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Same place, same station. I'm Burr Beard.